Hello and welcome. You are listening to JJ Life. I'm Julian Munyard. It's been nearly two years since doing my last podcast on the show, uh, but I'm very glad to be back. Feels odd that it's been so long. But we have a new guest, Renat Yusupov. Renat is a very skilled cellist, having played for world-class orchestras in both Russia, his home country, and Australia, where he resides now. Renat studied cello at the State Conservatorium of Uzbekistan, and since 1992 till 1999, he has worked as an assistant principal cellist of the National Symphony Orchestra of Uzbekistan and concertmaster of the State Conservatory. Needless to say, Renat has been around the block many times. He is highly skilled, and I think anyone who hears him play would be truly blown away. In this interview, you will hear about what it was like for Renard studying at the conservatorium and how he made his way to Australia in 1999, as well as growing up in communist Russia, how different life was in Australia. Renard started out very young when his mother wanted all of her children to be very well trained, both musically and academically, as part of a good education. However, for Renard, music ended up being his entire life. She bought a cello for me and she put me into the special music school. That's it, from that moment my career was decided. <laughs> we cover some of the things that changed Renard's life. His journey from being a Muslim his whole life and then becoming a Christian. And the books that he thinks everyone should read. Renard encourages young people to stop, think and smell the flowers. I mean, that's probably young people missing in their lives. If you wanted to know more about Renard, all it would take is a quick Google search for Renat Yusupov. I will have all the links to his website, his YouTube. I highly recommend taking five minutes out of your day to find out what this man is about. He truly is amazing. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in. This is JJ Live. I'm Julian Monyard. I've just finished school, um, grade 12. It's kind of an odd feeling, and I wanted to know how you felt when you first finished school. Did you know exactly where you wanted to go, what you wanted to be? Yeah, it was a really uh, exciting time to finish school, but uh, I think I was very fortunate. My mom brought me to music school, and since pretty much grade one, I knew that I, w- I was going to be a musician. So uh, <laughs> I knew I was going to be a musician, so after school I tried went to the conservatory. And that's the beginning of my career yeah. as a musician. So straight out, 17, 18 years old. Yeah, we uh, finished uh, when I was 18 and tried, uh, went to the conservatory of music. How long was the course? Five years, but it was two years break because I had to go to army okay. master for two years. So when, when did you get the news that you were heading off, got conscripted? Or? Sorry? When did, you, when did you get the news that you had to go off to the army? Ah, it's not news. It's um, it's compulsory. So basically, what they every single um, male um, person back in in Uzbekistan and Soviet Union, um, when he reaches age of twenty, uh, ages age of eighteen, he had to go to army. There's no choice. So. So you spent what two years in the two conservatorium? Years in army. No, no, no. I went to the conservatorium and tried. Uh, once I entered the conservatorium, then I had to oh, stop okay. my so studying. Like deferred. Uh, yes, and had to go and serve for two years in the army. Yeah. Um, 
So like two years and then you, you started your five year course. Yep. And when you finished, what, what happened? Um, when I uh, finished, after I completed my two years service in the army, I went back to conservatory. And when I went to conservatory, I started, uh, the same time I started to work in the symphony orchestra. So it was very common, common practice for students uh, to study and at the same time to work as musicians. So, so you were getting paid to play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, National Symphony Orchestra of Uzbekistan, I was accepted. I played, um, I won a competition. I took second place in um, junior competition in, in, in Uzbekistan. And I, um, when I went to this, to, uh, to work at the Symphony Orchestra of Uzbekistan, I actually had a really good position there, so. Well, I've always wondered, like in these conservatoriums, what's the, is it competitive? Because you have doctors, uh, you know, medical school, um, that's very competitive. And all these fields, uh, psychology, academic fields are so competitive. What's music school? What's the conservatorium? Is it competitive? Well, conservatorium is very, cons- uh, very competitive. Um, well, you, you, you basically compete with, compete with, with everybody around you on, on your level and with, with the national level. And it's about competition. So you play instrument and then you hear someone gone into competition and won the first prize or whatever, and then you started to practice again to, pre- to prepare yourself for a competition. So musicians train to go for competitions, I would say that. Yeah. So after your five years, you've, played this, you've been paid to play in the symphony orchestra. Yeah. And then what, was, what were you studying exactly? What was the instrument? What was the course? Uh, my uh, main instrument is cello. I started ch- studied cello at school and I studied cello at the conservatory as well. So cello is my main instrument and I was trained to be an orchestra musician and a teacher. So, yeah. And so is that what you were aiming to be a teacher for after your five years? No, I actually didn't aim to be a teacher. I, I thought I would be a, a performer and that's what I was trained for. I played with orchestra as a soloist. I played in many ensembles. I played many concerts back in Uzbekistan. So I didn't aim to be a teacher. So. And it's just how many years after did you stumble upon it? Well, it's after I came actually to Australia in 2000. And I came to Australia in 1999. But in 2000, I realized that I, I want to be a teacher. It's also happened... Uh, not by accident, I believe it was God's path in my life. <coughs> um, I played an audition for Sydney Symphony Orchestra in 2000. And I was kind of, that time I was a bit depressed because I'm new to country. I didn't have, I didn't, didn't speak much English that time. And I was a very good cellist. I played in many orchestras back in St. Petersburg in Russia, in Uzbekistan. But there was an audition for Sydney Symphony Orchestra, and I played this audition, and no one got a job, no one that for that audition particularly. So and it was tough. Sydney was tough. yeah, it was very tough. But that day, after this, right after the audition, I were, I was walking out of the Sydney Opera House. I was walking down the stairs, and I received a phone call from a lady I never met. She rang me and she said, "Oh, your name is Renati Da 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 da, and she said. Would you please come for an interview? I have a couple of orchestras for you to, to lead and teach probably 10, 15 students. So I was really turning point in my my career and in my and I at that moment I realized that's where 
God is leading me. So, what was the feeling when you get the phone call? Were you, were you kind of shocked, or you? I was shocked. I was very. It was very exciting. At the same time, it was so surprising. I mean, it was very unexpected. Mm. But can you can you imagine the moment you receive a no from one place, and then you receive an invitation from another place? Mm. It was like a an angle to go on a different way, completely different path. Mm. So it was very exciting. What kept you motivated through that? I mean, you you, you moved to Australia, a completely new country. Yeah. Now you realize it's a tough, tough industry over here because you're getting all these gigs and leading orchestras in Russia. Yeah. And now you're here and it's kind of like life speeding you down a bit. What was, what was keeping you going? I believe it was God who kept me, um, kept me going and moving. And in every single step I made in Australia, in my first first days in Australia, I recognized that he directed my path. The people I met, uh, and it's it started slowly growing. I, I built up uh, my own studio in uh, in Sydney. Um, I became quite popular cellist uh, among students, among performers, and I played a few concerts there myself as a soloist. But I didn't go back to to the orchestra as um, to work as is my uh, my career changed to the more teaching field I wanted to know when what point in your life did you did you realize or did you think you'd succeeded what was there a point in your 20s or 30s where you're like this is it or have you not reached that yet that's an interesting question. Um, I think I succeeded the moment I started to believe in God. Because that's, it's really a turning point in my life. When I started to believe in God, um, at that moment I trusted Him in everything I did, in every, all my steps. And that was my turning point. I didn't have as much like ambitions after I became Christian. I, I started to just to love what I'm doing, I love meeting people, and somehow God gracefully and mercifully led me to uh, to where I am now, so it's really, that's the turning point in my life. And I believe you have quite a wild, a, a wild story from, from um, by meeting God. Yeah. You, were you once a Muslim, is that correct? Yes, um, I was a Muslim, and... Um, uh, and I, one day at the very low point of my life, I was traveling on a train, and uh, I was traveling on a train, and cried, cried out to God, God, if you resist, show me yourself. And I saw a vision of God standing in front of me. You see, for Muslim people um, to see God in flesh, it's it's nonsense. It's it's impossible. But here I am, Muslim guy, sitting in the, on the train, crying out to God, show me yourself, and if, if you're real, and I'll follow you. And I saw this vision of a man standing in front of me. The moment I saw this man, I knew that his name is Jesus. How would I know? No one gave me Bible, no one read me, no one spoken to me about Jesus. But the moment I saw this person standing in front of me, I knew that this is it. this is Jesus, and he's God. And that was a turning point in my life. It wasn't a materialistic. It, it wasn't, no, it no, wasn't it even wasn't a goal. Success wasn't like a 
No, no, no. It's it wasn't materialistic. It's it's not a for real, but it was just amazing, amazing, amazing peace in my heart. So I went out of this train. The moment I went out, I realized I'm a different person. All my worries, all my uh, stress, kind of eased down. It didn't didn't disappear or just just like click. Because this was a very low point in your life. Yeah, it so. was very low point. We we were in the midst of divorce with my with my wife, as you know. I uh, we we divorced, and then I became Christian. I went to Australia and then went back to Uzbekistan and remarried. So we're now happy. Uh, yeah. husband and wife so I married to my wife twice it's, it's a wild story I mean you don't hear things like that very often yeah five years we were divorced for five years we were separate completely I was in, in Australia she was in Uzbekistan and I became a Christian I became a new person and I established myself in Sydney I, I became quite popular cello teacher and music teacher and performer and then I earned really good pocket money say Ten thousand bucks I could spend easy on yeah. that. that. Like in two thousand, it was really big money. Yeah. Like in my, in one month, you know. Mm. So and I decided to go back to Uzbekistan, fixed fix the things that I did wrong in my life. Mm. And from that moment, we decided to to start a new life together with my wife. And, and she came back to Australia with you. It was a big fight. We we had to fight with uh, with Australian authorities to prove that we are genuinely want to remarry. Yeah. And was through federal. Uh, um, I don't remember what the, the name of this organization. Uh, tribunal. Uh, okay, Migration Rights Tribunal. That's yeah. it. That's the one. So we won the court, and they grant her visa. Visa, and she came with my daughter to Australia, and we started to live here. And I mean, it would have been a stressful time trying to balance making a living and surviving, and trying to get your now your wife back yeah. to Australia, and your and. It's, it was not it, easy. it was very uh, uh, not easy, but I don't say it was very stressful because at that time I already had my full trust in God, mm. and I recognize I recognize every single steps that we did through all the lawyers and uh, was God, God God's factor was there present for mm. us. So, do you believe there is a certain amount of stress in someone's life that is good for them that keeps them on their toes i mean youth conservatorium wouldn't have been an easy flow through i feel there's a lot of stress in everyone's life but there's a certain amount of responsibility or or stress you could call it that keeps people pushing on you know what I've learned as a musician, as a before. I'm talking by, by myself. Yeah, okay, a musician, mm-hmm. and we have a lots of stress when you when you prepare a program and then you have to come to the concert and you uh, on stage and and always there is this uh, what if fact factor. Mm-hmm. You know, what if my string break and what if something and you already people are coming to this concert and people already paid my pay tickets and what if factor. But my teacher taught me your stress factor must go into excitement if you turn it into excitement and every uh, then it will bring to love into into music yes stress there can, can be stress of course and it's but if you look at how we deal with this with the stress we turn the stress into excitement factor that uh, that helped me through many stages did you have a routine a, a sort of um something that could that you could do that could 
help you turn that stress into excitement? Is there something you did before a show that would calm you down? Would you breathe in a certain way? Would you sing a certainly, certain pattern? Certainly, certainly. There is a very good exercise. I actually teach all my students to do this. What, what stress is? Stress is, is we think and our thoughts create this chemical, fa- chemical reaction in our brain, in our bodies, and it turns into that uh, we can't be, uh, the heartbeat and all sorts of things. So we have to turn it over, turn it around. First of all, uh, the the world is good, the life is good, God is good, everything is fantastic. Now we're going to play this concert, and what I do, I turn it into excitement, and then I do this breathing breathing exercise. So four counts, breathe in, four counts, hold inside, lock in, and eight counts out. Do it for ten times, and you'll be calm right on stage. It will be absolutely fantastic, and it works. Hmm. Lots of my students do do this yeah. when they go for exams or anything, something like that. Yeah. What's that? Um, there's a film, Matthew McConaughey, he goes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it was some crazy story, like um, before the set, because they're filming this, this um, new film coming out. Yeah. And Matthew, the, the actor, would do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and then on set, the camera's live. They get this. They do the whole scene through, and they're about to, you know, make the cut. And one of the other actors says, "What was that thing you were doing before, before the set? What were you doing with this?" And he's like, "Oh, I just do it to calm myself down." <laughs> because he's like, he says low frequency. Mm-hmm. He says it calms him down, and he's he's got a constant beat. Well, the, uh, the breathing exercise actually it's um, uh, makes like your oxygen and CO two in, in, into your brain and it really calms you down when you do this exercise. You hold it in your uh, inside. Four counts in, four counts hold inside. Is that through your nose or mouth? Doesn't matter. Okay. But you you, you breathe in four counts in, four counts hold and eight counts slow out. So as musicians, we know that's it's rhythmical kind of kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. And the situations in our life, my teacher, my, my actually conductor teacher, he's still alive. He taught me, if you do mistake, well, if you fall down, stand up, shake your and uh, move, move forward. Yeah. So this. As I, I think um, David Bowie said something like, uh, music is, the, the beautiful thing about music, it's like driving a plane, crashing the plane, and then getting out and walking away. It's like, yeah, exactly. you can do anything, really. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, it's just, well, you get out and walk away, shake it off, like you said. But in reality, you know, the, uh, the stress in musicians' life is actually, we learned what other people think about us. And that's what we do. We, we come on stage, we perform, and we think how they react. How we, we actually expecting people to judge us. That's what musicians do. But once you overcome this... This, uh, this perception of people judging you, people uh, expecting you to fall, etc., etc. You don't care about it. You do what you can, and you do the best you can. Of course, we are human beings. You can you can make a mistake, etc., etc. So be it. Mm. Enjoy your life. That's wonderful. Mm. And it, it proves that you're not a robot. You know. Yeah. yeah. If you could go, what twenty years old? That's when you started. Because eighteen out of school, two years in army, twenty years old, you start conservatorium. If you could go tell your, your 20-year-old self something, a piece of advice, a quote, anything, what would you say? Um, 
I would definitely say calm down, slow down. Uh, life is short, you know. That's what I would say. Life is short. Calm down, slow down. Because I'm, when I was 20, I was just trying, yeah, there and there yeah. and there and trying to train this. Now I do, I'm going to do stop thing and smell the flowers. I mean, that's probably young people missing in their lives. They're just rushing, they do all these computers and everything and they, 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 they're meeting other people, but stop, smell the flowers. And probably now I would say stop and pray. That would be trust in God that I would tell myself, start trusting in God, because in, when I was 20 year old, I didn't believe in God. Mm -hmm. And I had a pretty wild life. That's it. Um, who are some of your personal heroes? Oh, <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few. First, my personal hero is uh, D'Artagnan from Three Musketeers. Okay. Uh, I love the uh, I love this guy. And I read this book like so many times when I was when I was a kid. But D'Artagnan is still in my heart because it's he, he's got this passion, and he's got hot blood, and uh, he he prepared to fight for, uh, to death. That's one. And another hero. I might may not be very popular, but recently my another hero became uh, Donald J. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I might not be popular, That's okay. but uh, this is the thing. I love people who are going not down the stream. Mm -hmm. I love people who are going up the stream. If you go up the stream, you make up, make up a history. Yeah. Think, of about, think about Albert Einstein or Isaac Newton. They guys they did some of, or even Jesus himself, he didn't go uh, down the stream, he go against the stream. People used to tell him uh, an eye for an eye, tooth for the tooth, you know, and he said, love one another. So that's completely against. So Donald J. Trump is my, uh, these days became my hero because yeah. he went against the mainstream yeah. opinion, mainstream media. So no, I respect that. I, I, do, I do. Everyone's got their, their someone. And, um, yeah. you know, I think that's a very uh, understandable hero. And, um, he definitely isn't going downstream. He definitely is going upstream. Exactly. And um, have a look at... Uh, you know what my um, friend tells me? When you look around, when you want to find a, a good dentist, look and find the one in your classroom who was the best. And that will, that will be uh, your, uh, your dentist. Or if you want to look for, uh, find a, a good plumber, Go back to your classroom and find the one that was the best uh, in it, and he'll be the one. So the people who are going up the stream, these are the ones creating history, the other ones uh, uh, become leaders, you know. Mm. So. Um, what's uh, some personal advice that a friend or someone has told you um, that has changed your life, the best piece of advice? Best advice? Uh, I've had many. <laughs> but first one is, um, was when I was 20 year old, my teacher, when I came, uh, uh, I came back from army, uh, my hands were completely stiff. I couldn't play cello anymore because for two years I didn't play instrument. And I was, as you can imagine, I was quite, lower my te uh, cello technique 
And my teacher told me, hold on, don't give up. You will regret it. So that was mm-hmm. one. And I didn't give up. And that's where so I So you came back from the army, your hands are stiff and you're like, um, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. What's the point to, to do? Because I'm not going to get, uh, get to, to that level anymore. Yeah. And I, did, I actually thought about giving up cello. And my cello teacher at that time told me, don't give up. Uh, give me, give me, give him a chance actually to teach it. Give me a chance to prove you wrong. So, and he proved it. Can you imagine a life now if you, if you said goodbye to cello? I can't even imagine it. So I believe again, I believe it is God's factor. Mm. So he didn't allow me to, to give up. I can't mm. even imagine it. Yeah. Completely different life. Yeah, yeah. Another piece of advice I received from my friend, Christian guy, back in Sydney, I was, at that time I used to smoke a lot of cigarettes. And he came to me once and said, oh, Renat, you know you're inhaling this this, uh, smoke into your body. Do you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And can you imagine all this smoke coming inside and you know... And I felt like, wow, that's really true. I'm just inhaling all this rubbish into my body, my blood. But I was smoking like for 15 years. Mm. And I, I, I didn't think I was harming anyone. Even though I became a Christian, I still, I was still yeah. smoking. I thought, uh, I'm enjoying a life. Yeah. So I, I don't harm anyone. It's my, my life. I want it. And then when he said to me, uh, in three days, I gave up, actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What helped you? <laughs> It was, uh, I decided, I prayed to God and I said, Lord, uh, how can I give up? And I, I was smoking for 15 years, I don't know. And I decided to fast on cigarettes. So I put my cigarettes on, the, uh, on my bedside and decided for three days I will not smoke one. So I didn't smoke. And I thought, now, uh, when Monday morning comes, I, s- I will take the <laughs> cigarette and I will smoke it. With so I, w- I was waiting for that moment. Yeah. And then Monday morning came, I pulled out the cigarette, and I realized I actually didn't want to smoke anymore. So it was, it was a miracle, uh, like uh, giving up. S- quick cold turkey. Yeah. Said goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's kind of a... I would imagine it's a different way to do it, keeping the cigarettes next to you. I mean, I, I, if I was going to do it, I'd feel like putting them in the bin. But you wake up every morning, you see them there, and you just resist. No. Yeah, but, but if you say, if you say as, as a Lord, this is, these three days I'm not going to smoke, I'm giving up, and I'm giving this money I'm going to spend on this. It's, it's not that you, you're fasting on extra cigarettes. If you're mm. fasting not to, to spend this money, and I'm saying, Lord, praying... Lord, uh, this money I'm spending on cigarettes, please take and use it. And yeah, I put the, the money in the church, etc., etc. But then Monday morning came, I realized I didn't want to smoke anymore. So. <laughs> There's, if you could, you got a big banner. Yeah. A big three, four meter banner, or maybe you could attach this banner to a plane and fly it over Brisbane. What would you write on the banner so everyone in Brisbane can see it? Everyone in Brisbane can see it. Ah, oh, man. Wake up, smell the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Everyone can smell the flowers, but no. I would say the most, the, as my turning point in my life was meeting Jesus, I would say, Jesus loves you. That's what that my message would be to every single person in the world. And I don't hesitate to say, mm. say it. 
Is there something that you believe most people disagree with you about? <laughs> I think lots of people disagree with me about Donald J. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing. But other than that... Uh, but there's a, a lot game. of supporters for him. I mean, it's a silent majority, but... Yeah, well, 70 million, uh, 70, 75 million, I think, the, uh, the statistics. 75 million is half of uh, American population. And that's one thing. Another thing, probably people, lots of people disagree with me about Bible, uh, about uh, Christianity. And when I became a Christian, I was a Bible basher, seriously. I'm what did your Bible. family, what did your friends and family think about that? Uh, my friends thought at, uh, uh, at the beginning, they thought I'm crazy. Well, still, uh, there are still some friends who just say, oh, that's, uh, that's Renat. Renat is gone yeah, off the yeah, rails. Yeah, yeah, off the rails. That's right. My brothers, uh, my, my, my older brother was angry with me because uh, my mom was converted to Christianity when she came to Australia, when she saw me and my wife together, she realized and she became Christian after uh, uh, 16, being 67, 67 years in, in, in Islam, in Muslim, mm-hmm. being a Muslim. So she became a Christian. My brother hated me for that, but then slowly, slowly we started to get back to to normal again, and now he accepts me the way I am, who I am, what my, my beliefs. Yeah. So, I, I believe God has sense of humor. He's an Uzbek guy from Uzbekistan, leading a church with old Christian hymns. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. interesting concept. Yeah. What is a passion aside from music and other? What's a um, a book that you'd recommend? for some listeners here to read or, or a book that you reread regularly? Uh, apart from Bible, I would recommend a very interesting book to every single person. I believe this this, this actually another uh, piece of advice I received like two years ago from one of, one of our friends. He, she gave us a book and I read it. Uh, the book called Switch On Your Brain. <laughs> Uh, it's a very interesting uh, title and I thought do I look like I need that kind of book <laughs> you know switch on your brain yeah. <laughs> but then after reading it I realized it's the best best uh, book ever I found and it's written by Dr. Carola, uh, Caroline Leaf she's a Christian scientist she's talking about how our thoughts uh, turn into into chemical reaction, making chemical reaction. Basically, when we think, we create some sort of proteins in our lives, and it really turned my thinking completely into different perspective. So, if you think negatively, you create these proteins that affect the whole of your body, and it's physical. If you think positive, it also creates different proteins that creates your body. That's how we walk around and people see you, you're smiling, you, your face shining, because you have positive thinking, positive thoughts about every... You, you basically, you don't look at anyone with negative attitude. That's, that's the main thing. Mm. So it's kind of like a neuroplasticity. Yes, exactly. So neuroplasticity. That's the term? Yes, yeah. it, it does have this uh, this term, neuroplasticity, and that's uh, that's what this book about. And I yeah. recommend every single person must read it who wants to to have uh, a good uh, good life. You know, my my feelings are that there's a lot of high consumption, low creativity, and there's so much people consume so much in the, their phones and even the newspaper. I mean, you watch the news and that's you're consuming. And there's like the ratio is so 
in my opinion, I think it should be completely reversed at the ratio, instead of being 80-20 to um, consumption and creativity, it should just completely swap. And uh, that part of the neuroplasticity is like you're putting your phone away, you're putting and you're just focusing on your thoughts. And I think yes. that's, that's even a form of creativity. Exactly, yeah. You're creating. When I have a, a sore throat, because I had, did the gig, the New Year's Eve gig, yeah. um, and a week before Dad was messaging you, what is your secret recipe? Because you, I believe you have some sort of concoction you make to, to help your voice. <laughs> so you mix um, uh, ginger with lemon, but you mix ginger uh, one, uh, one to one ratio. And you mix it in Nutribullet and make it a little like, like a pate and then put the uh, one spoon into into a cup of uh, uh, and put boiling water inside and just drink it. And it really helps you to to, um, to clean up the throat and uh, hit the uh, the vocal cords. Yeah. Yeah. Is there something that happens when you make it too strong? Is it bad? If no, no, not at all. Ginger helps you in every, like it's anti-inflammatory, all these sorts of things. With lemon, absolutely, you can drink it. I drink it every day, whole year, whole year through. Yeah. <laughs> like two, three cups all the time. Is there something recently that has, that you've changed your mind about? Um, not as much. I didn't change my mind. I didn't didn't have any. Uh, the only oh yeah maybe um, <laughs> with this uh, all this old crazy uh, crazy world with uh, coronavirus yeah. and uh, all this um, crazy stuff around the world about elections. There you know this this year with elections in in Belarus. In Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan, all this, and in America and everywhere. And I, I watch the news because I'm from the Soviet Union. I watch all the news about all these little republics because they they are very very close to my heart. And at some point, I, I became quite disappointed about it, you know about the the way it all goes. But then I realized, look, God is in control. That really helped me to to go through. God is in charge. God is in control. And there's nothing can stop God's plans. So that's that's the main focus. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing, and that's that's it. That's my trust, my hope, and that's probably helped me to go through this year. I know we're jumping around here, and I'm going from this question go to that. It, yeah. But yeah. I'm not very um. Uh, I don't know much about Russia. I don't know what the times were when this communist, when the whole communist reign was there. Were you growing up during that time of yes. the communist? I was actually a member of communist party as well myself. <laughs> and what, what was that like? Because I've been in Australia since yeah. I was eight weeks old, and I, don't, I just couldn't imagine. It's very authoritarian regime. It is very um, how um, how do you say it? Mm. Was the word uh, like people brainwashed by by the controlled uh, by the communist party? People brainwashed by by the socialism. They uh, it's like you know um, controlled, but everything just controlled by party. And um, what's what's something like an everyday thing that you have in Australia? What's what's something you can pinpoint that's complete opposite in Russia back then? 
freedom, lifestyle, uh, enjoyment, you know, people smiling and um, just pretty much everything. You know, I first came, when I first came to Australia, it was 1999. I came to Adelaide, that was my first point, arrival point. And I was walking on the streets of Adelaide and people, just ordinary people on Saturday morning, they would just uh, put the, the water the flowers, whatever. But they say hello, hello to you. They just don't let you go uh, without saying hello and talking to you. It was so nice feeling. It was really, really nice. It was my first impression of Australia. And I still keep it in, in my heart. And I believe Adelaide still the same. <laughs> uh, Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. I was 22 year old. So what's something I would be shocked by walking in the street there now? Oh, that time? Yeah, that time. Uh, I wouldn't say you would, sh- you would be shocked. I mean, uh, Uzbekistan was a, uh, is a lovely country. Peaceful, yeah. Yeah, very peaceful. The only thing, if you, if you do so, do something, but you're not allowed, for example, to take photos of, of, of party officials or whatever. There's some people, you're just not allowed to take photos. Yeah. That's it. So that's kind of things. And, of course, there is a, there is a corrupt uh, government side which is we don't uh, people, people just don't know about and they do lots of uh, bad bad stuff to people mm-hmm. there is no uh, freedom of speech there is no freedom of you can't criticize the the government that's that's one thing you yeah. cannot speak about it you cannot talk about it you cannot say wrong things about the government so which is that's that's completely different uh, with with australia you know mm. here we say things we uh, freedom of speech is is um, very dear to me uh, what I found in Australia, freedom of myself, being myself. Mm. You know, yeah. What did your parents do for a living? Uh, my stepfather was a music teacher. My mother was a math teacher. Okay. So, yes. And so uh, they kind of pushed you onto the road of music? Or you just loved it from a young age? No, no, no. My, my mom, she decided, she, she, she decided to give... We have two, bro- two uh, older brothers. Yeah. So my mother decided to give all of us uh, music, uh, m- uh, music education, and she she didn't want us to be a music uh, musician. She just wanted us to be uh, educated, well educated. Yeah. So she gave my brother piano lessons. My middle brother was learning violin, and I was learning cello. So I was younger one. She bought a cello for me, and she put me into the special music school. That's it. From that moment, my career was decided. <laughs> What music do you love to listen to? I love jazz music. I love um, very uh, calm, peaceful uh, Christian music. It gives me calm and peace. And particularly if you know the words, you know the lyrics, and it's just humming along. So Mm. that's what I love. I don't like really loud uh, stuff. I used to listen to Iron Maiden, uh, Pink Floyd, uh, Led Zeppelin, and when I was... Nineteen, twenty year old. So you don't go like through that. that. Anymore. You've, already had, you've already had your yeah, 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 Queen. We we used to play uh, all this music. We were trying to actually to copy them. Do your family and friends understand what you do for a living? Um, do you even bother to explain to them? <laughs> That's a very interesting question. Uh, there was a famous Russian, world famous Russian singer, Fyodor Shalapin, and there's a story. And one day he sat at the uh, horse carriage and the coachman asked him, Oh, sir, what do you do for a living? 
and he was he's a world class singer. He sings in opera around the world, everywhere. And he said, "Oh, I sing." And the coachman said, "I sing too. What do you do for a living?" <laughs> so trying to explain, I'm a musician. Oh yeah, I I play piano too. But what do you do for a living? So that's the question I get to ask a lot. It's like some people just won't understand. Yeah, they they don't understand that it's not a career. It's not just for a living. It's your life. You know, music is my life. That's what I do for a living. I live live around the music. So my brothers and my family did would didn't quite understand why I have this passion. They thought I'm just just making fun playing. Or not, you must go study something else. Yeah, you don't need yeah, yeah. more. Do, get get a real money? job. Yeah. Yes. Get, get a, a real, real job, job, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and even my friends um, who were uh, playing in the weddings and do lots of uh, folk music that played quite well they, they used to tell me, "Oh, just give up your chill. You don't need to play this this anymore. You get you um much more money with the bass guitar than with the cello, you know, so that's... Uh... And, but what, what advice would you give to other people whose families or friends might be saying a similar thing, maybe not about music, maybe they want to start a business and their friends, oh, get a real job, you know? What, about, <sighs> what advice would you give those people? Uh, don't give up, follow, uh, follow your passion. Just keep going. Keep, keep going, on. never give up. If you have it in your heart, it means this is yours and it's yourself. Maybe down the path, you can change your mind, you say, but this is you. You are wonderfully created by God and you have this, uh, this passion. Go for it. Mm. Do not listen to someone else's opinion. What got you up in the morning during the early part of your life? And what gets you up in the morning now? Like, how has that changed? What's the fuel, your passion, just like you get up? It's <laughs> an interesting question. Uh, uh, doesn't yeah. have to be like any. Doesn't have to be physical coffee or anything. I mean, like, what's your motivation to get up in the morning? Oh, motivation. That's that's a good one. Okay, motivation uh, in versus my... when you're like younger to now. How's it changed? Well, younger it was uh, main thing is to uh, to go and get get some money for living because uh, musicians don't get mm. paid that well. So it was really hunter hunting for uh, uh, to get paid yeah uh, we had we used to have we had we used to had to work in three four different jobs and the just just uh, for example a kilo of butter would cost five dollars which would be our monthly salary in Uzbekistan really yeah so that's why we, we had to work hard we had to, had to find food to live not like in Australia. In Australia, mm-hmm. I wake up at 5.30 in the morning to go to, to my beautiful, uh, wonderful work I love. And I wake up in the morning and pray to God and see, smell the flowers. But back in Uzbekistan, I had to wake up and go and find uh, a living, find money, find food to provide for my family. So, mm. yeah. And then now, you just wake up and yeah, your yeah. fuel is just... You, you're lucky to be here. Exactly, yeah. And every day, every time in the morning when I wake up and I go to my balcony, I sit down and I say, "Lord, thank you so much for for this blessing me with this." And I smell the flower again. I see, I see the the I hear the birds and I see all the trees around me, and I praise the Lord for that. You know. In this stage of your life, you've you've pretty much completed, or have you completed everything that you you would wish and if not, what's next? 
Okay, that's interesting. I'm now still studying. I'm 53 and still studying. I'm studying, <laughs> I'm studying dull cross approach, which is different approach to uh, to teach to teach music, and it's passion. I mean, I, I love it. Can you explain exactly what that approach includes? Well, it's uh, it's an approach that teaches music through your body. Basically, your body becomes your musical instrument. And through your body, you understand music better. You understand rhythmic perceptions better. Through your body, you can feel the music. With my children, for example, with my year five or year six kids last year, you can't even, uh, you can't even imagine listening with year six kids, listening to Tchaikovsky piano concerto. And we did, and they loved it. Or for, for or listen, uh, Symphony Number no. Forty by Mozart with uh, students from Grade Six. So you call it? I mean, that's a, quite of a um, different approach. Absolutely. Teaching music at Grade so yeah, Ten, yeah, Eleven year old. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different approach, and that's what I'm learning. I'm studying it. I started it back in 2017. Just I started to feel that I need need to do something with my own education. But you're going upstream. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. I'm, exactly. Else. I'm going up, up the stream. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and um, so you're still studying. I'm still studying. Yeah. And what is your goal with the study? Is it just for your personal uh, education gain? My goal is to become better, even better teacher. Uh, my goal is to to give to give my passion, pass it my passion to you know, to my students, mm. and I can do it. Uh, as musicians, we always have to learn. If you stop learning, you stop living. Mm. You stop playing music. So we always have to learn, and it's a good teacher is actually uh, a good learner. So I'm trying to be a good teacher. <laughs> are there some kids that you're teaching that you can spot that are gonna you think that could be successful musicians or, or even other professions? That's very interesting question. Um, uh, Jacques Dalcroze said once, "Every single child born to be an artist," hmm. because. Every single child creates, imagines, and experiment. That's what, what artists do. What, uh, we create, we imagine, and we ex- uh, experiments, experiment. You catch the plan and then we walk exactly, out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And children, they are, uh, that's what Jacques Dalcroze said, every single child, and that's what actually hooked me into his, his teaching. Every single child born to be an artist. We just need to explore it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my job is not to create musicians. My job is to give them love for music and then God will take the rest. Mm-hmm. So at the moment you're teaching prep to... Prep to six, yeah. It'd be quite interesting seeing them as the children progress, I'd imagine. I mean, you look at some of the grade ones and then you look at the grade six, it's like... Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, interesting progression, and I see I see them, and already I created a kind of a culture within within my my classes. So they they know what uh, what ex- what to expect. Yeah. Uh, in grade five, and they know that will there there will be some activities they will love, and they're looking forward to it. So they're coming, and we we enjoying, and it's. It's like a fellowship with students, you know. Yeah. You share my pa- I, I share with them my passion, and I see them 
them giving back to me they they continue some of them will continue some of them not so be it but i'd say that you've really changed the way music is taught in um in the school i mean for the listeners um listening at the moment i went to glasshouse christian college just graduated and renat is the teacher at the, the college and um as he just said he's teaching prep prep to grade six but i've gone through prep to 12 at the same school and um i didn't get to get taught by you but um music was different to what i see now i'm walking past the classroom and there's kids that are dancing and and as you said listening to mozart and, and completely different way of teaching than what you think you teach at grade six. Oh yeah but, i really love it i enjoy it and um and again again that came to me through exploring of that method Mm. teaching music mm. dull cross I, sh- I think it's the way to to teach look Renat I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and um, just, I really think that the listeners will find great value in what you have to say so thank you very much for no coming on the show all. thank you appreciate it no And that's The Cut. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate it on iTunes or let me know what you think of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to do a quick search for Renat Yusupov or click the links in the description for his YouTube channel and website. You won't regret it. I absolutely love what Renat says. Wake up, slow down, smell the flowers. You are listening to JJ Live. This is Julian Munyard, signing out.